Let's uh, turn our attention to the Word of God at this time and turn to the book of Exodus and uh, chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2. And as you uh, turn there in your Bibles in Exodus chapter 2, we're going to, um, we looked at uh, particularly the, the birth of Moses and the circumstances surrounding his birth, uh, and we uh, noted the faith of Moses' parents, uh, as it is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And so we dealt with the opening verses of Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to be reading through the remainder of the chapter uh, at this time. So Exodus chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 11. And before we read here, um, we're going to, uh, if you have your place here in Exodus chapter 2, might as well do this now. If you uh, turn uh, to Hebrews chapter 11, and if you put another finger... <laughs> to Acts chapter 7, all right? So I'm uh, giving you a little challenge at this time. So we're Exodus chapter 2, then we're going to go to uh, Hebrews 11, and then Acts chapter 7, all right? So I'll, I'll give you a moment uh, to find all those places, and it's a good time to work your fingers out, all right? Um, the reason why we're turning to those two New Testament passages is that in Exodus chapter 2, we uh, studied through verse 10 last week, and we're going to begin in verse 11 this week. But there is a commentary in the New Testament between verse 10 and verse 11. Uh, that commentary is found in uh, Hebrews 11 and again in Acts chapter 7. And so uh, if we're going to study Acts or, or Exodus chapter 2, we cannot ignore uh, Hebrews 11 and also Acts chapter 7. And so the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Amen. And so often we can, uh, you know, kind of make some, uh, you know, make up something or what we guessed happened between the years, but it's uh, really helpful when the Bible actually tells us what happens. And that's the case uh, for this passage. So let's do this. We're going to begin reading in verse 10 of uh, Exodus chapter 2, and then through verse 11 and through the remainder of the chapter. And so notice with me, uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, And the child grew, we're talking about Moses, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he, that's Moses, became her son, and she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And so we read verse 10, we know that uh, after a time where uh, Jochebed uh, basically nourished her son and grew up. And so this is probably anywhere between the ages of 3 and 12. So we don't have a specific age. Uh, but we knew that at some point she turned over her son to uh, Pharaoh's daughter. And the Bible says he became her son. And then now we come to verse 11. And the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. Uh, we'll see that in just a moment that the commentary tells us that when he killed the Egyptian, he was about 40 years of age. So this is a long time. Okay, so at the most, when we leave verse 10, at the most, he's 12. Uh, when we come to verse 11, he is 40. Uh, and the Bible says, It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren, and he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the, the trouts uh, to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Ruel, their father... He said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and also drew water enough for us, and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him, that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, 
and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. And he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Verse 23, and it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. So now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're there in Hebrews 11. So we read in Hebrews 11 of the faith of Moses' parents. And then immediately after that, we read about the faith of Moses himself. And so notice with me Hebrews 11. We have, if you would, a commentary on verse 10 of Exodus chapter 2, and then we have what bridges the gap between verse 10 and verse 11 of Exodus chapter 2. So notice with me Hebrews uh, 11, and notice verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, so that's as he grew, the Bible says, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." So now let's turn to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, uh, we know here this is when Stephen is uh, preaching before the Sanhedrin council and he's going to spend a lot of time uh, talking about Moses, preaching about Moses, and he's saying this, Acts 7, notice verse 20. <clears throat> the Bible says, In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months, and when he was cast out, uh, when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own, uh, for her son, for her own son. And Moses, so here's the gap, you see, between verse 10 and verse 11 of Exodus chapter 2. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. That's what we read in verse 11. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. And he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them as one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he, began, where he begat two sons. All right, so let's turn back to the book of Exodus chapter 2. And uh, I want to bring your attention. What is all this about? It is evident as we read this passage and to think about the summary when we read Acts 7 and we read Hebrews, it is evident that Moses somehow knew that he was to be the deliverer. That's what Acts says. And so he went about to try to do it in his own way, in his own strength, and he killed an Egyptian man. And we know that because of that, the result of that is that he ends up fleeing to the land of Midian and he's going to spend... 40 years in Midian. So, 40 years in Egypt from his birth to the time that he killed the Egyptian and, was, uh, and forsook the land of Egypt. And then he would spend 40 years in the land of Midian. And when we come to Exodus chapter 2, in verse 23, notice what the Bible says. And it came to pass in the process of time. In the process of time. I want to think about 
uh, those words I want to preach on uh, those few words. And we think about how do we how do we summarize what happened here in Exodus chapter two? It seems we begin the chapter uh, knowing here is a deliverer, Moses, and now Moses reaches four years of age. He's matured. He is uh, grown up. He is ready to deliver them. And it wouldn't happen for another 40 years. And so, uh, what, how do we sum up all this time? The process of time. God used the process of time. Now, I'm going to preach on this because I think that often it's a subject that we don't necessarily like to talk about. We want things now. We want things in our own timing. Uh, we want things when we pray for them. But often God requires the process of time. And that's exactly here what we find in Exodus uh, chapter 2. Now as we, we're we're going to get there, but before we reach this part here, uh, because again, chapter 1 of Exodus tells us the children of Israel became bondmen. They were in bondage to the Egyptians. And so we know that this was prophesied. Uh, They would be there for 400 years and that God would deliver them out of the land. And so the time is coming for that. And we know that then Moses was born. And so God uh, singles out the birth of Moses. And uh, we know that much of this was an act of faith. Faith is what? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so that had been passed down. It is evident based on the commentary in Acts that Uh, as Stephen is preaching, that Moses knew that he was to be the deliverer. So perhaps God spoke to him and told him this uh, plainly, uh, but yet it was not the right time. And so God needed to take Moses through a process. We often don't like the process, but often it is necessary. Uh, I, I, uh, I remember my dad preaching this message when we traveled to different churches. He He preached this message often, and he said this, so I remember it, based on what he said, I hope it's accurate. But he said that for the first 40 years of his life, Moses learned that he was somebody as an Egyptian. He was learning all the wisdom of the Egyptians and might. So he learned for the first 40 years of his life to be somebody, and then he tried to take things into his own hands because he was a somebody, and then he would spend the next 40 years of his life in the backside of the desert learning that he was a nobody. And then, knowing, and by the way, by the end of this time, when God finally says, I'm going to send you to bring the people out, he says, I can't. I'm not able. You remember, in the first 40 years, he thought he was able. The next 40 years, he found out that he was not able. In the last 40 years of his life, he found out that God was able. Because when he went to Egypt, God delivered the children of Israel. And so, here's what we learn, that Moses, who was a somebody had to learn that he was a nobody because God wants to use those who see themselves as nobodies. And that's where he had to get Moses to the process of time. Now, as we look at our passage here, obviously I'm going to refer heavily to, uh, to Hebrews chapter 11 and also Acts chapter 7 uh, because before we find Moses making a decision to kill the Egyptians, there's a lot that has happened in the life of Moses up to this point. And so, uh, what happened between Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, and verse 11, uh, we can speculate about it, or we can consider what the Scripture declares about this period. And so, what happened between those two verses is very significant. And I want to consider uh, a number of things about the life of Moses, uh, really between verse 10 and verse 11, and leading up here to the time when we find the process of time. We're going to look at, first of all, his important decision. And then we're going to see his attempt at deliverance. And then lastly, we're going to look at his needed departure. His needed departure. In other words, before Moses could deliver them, he had to leave. He had to go the opposite direction, and that's where God wanted him. So consider, first of all, as we look at our text, his important Decision. When we come to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days, Acts 7 tells us that he was 40 years of age, when Moses was grown, that he went out into his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. 
Now, as we go back, if you would, if you are still have your place there, a finger in the book of Hebrews, as we read through Hebrews chapter 11, as we did just a moment ago, we find from verse 24 through verse 26, uh, Moses made a series of important decisions, and the book of Hebrews highlights those for us. For example, in verse 24, the Bible says, He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. That's a decision that he made. Verse 25 tells us, He choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And so Moses refused, verse 24, verse 25, he chose. Then verse 26, the Bible says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. And so here we see that Moses esteemed. And then in verse 27, the Bible says he forsook the land of Egypt. And so Moses forsook. So notice those four things. He refused. He chose. He esteemed, he forsook, and we know that all of this, his choice, his refusal, his esteem, his forsook, was all done by faith. Now understand here, when we read the commentary of Hebrews 11, that's before he kills the Egyptian. Uh, he, that is uh, before the time, right? That's when he has been learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. We read in the book of Acts that uh, he, uh, he was a man of might and wisdom. He was, the Bible says, mighty in words and in deeds. That's how Moses got to the place where he was. And he makes a series of decisions before he kills the Egyptians uh, before he kills the Egyptian, understand when he's going to kill him, the Bible says the timeline is the next day he goes out, so that's one day expires, and then on that second day, Pharaoh finds out what Moses did, and that's when he leaves. So there's no time for him to make the decision but before those two days, when we read in Exodus chapter 2. And so what we read, the summary of Hebrews 11, happens between verse 10 and verse 11. And I want to focus here on the important decision that Moses made. And actually, it's quite compelling, the choice that he made, the decision that he made. I want you to notice, first of all, uh, if you consider Hebrews eleven twenty four, where the Bible says, By faith, Moses, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So we see here, first of all, that he refused the association with Egypt. Uh, the Bible tells us he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see, the moment that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, we have to consider the great weight of his decision. And by the way, I hope that all the points that were made, every single decision that he made was done by faith. Uh, in other words, when we read in Hebrews, he did what he did by faith. Uh, in the Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen lets us know that uh, under the inspiration of God that uh, he knew what he was doing. He knew that God had called him to deliver, to lead the people out of this Egyptian bondage. And so here we, we get to the place where he, he refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, we think about that, and, and I think that um, uh, there were, Moses could probably be criticized by those who would hear him or see him make that decision. What I mean by that is F.B. Meyer, so he, he wrote this, he said, The announcement would be, perhaps, met with bitter tears and hot indignation on the part of her to whom he owed so much. Remember, he was destined to die, was he not? And she brought him out of the water... In a sense, she saved him. In how many circles it would be discussed, and what different interpretations would be placed on it, some would attribute it to mortification or jealousy, others to the presence of his veins of uh, in his veins of uh, 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 of uh, uh, slave blood, others to some scheme of ultimate self-aggrandizement. All would consider it. The, uh, all would uh, commiserate the princess whose kindness seemed to be rudely requited. You see, the, the, she probably thought, I saved Moses. And at some point, when he is 40 years of age, as he goes out, he, the Bible says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, understand what that means. That means that he refused a number of things. That means, first of all, that if he refused... To be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that means he was refusing wealth. You see, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh was the one who had the most wealth. 
and all of his children after him would no doubt be very wealthy and no doubt the grandchildren Moses would be considered that and when he refused to be called that that means he's refusing association with the king he's refusing association with the king's daughter uh, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty six that he refused the treasures in Egypt you see the treasures of Egypt were awaiting Moses having no doubt as he grew up and promised him. Can you imagine uh, uh, the uh, Pharaoh's daughter uh, taking little Moses and as he's uh, being instructed in all the things and all the wisdom of the Egyptians and she probably takes Moses throughout this place and you know, one day you may rule this part of Egypt and, and one day you may have a, a charge of this area uh, and maybe one day you might even be Pharaoh yourself. When he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that means... He was refusing wealth. Wealth. Not only was he refusing wealth, but he was also refusing honor. In Acts chapter 7, verse 22, uh, Stephen preaches and he tells us that Moses was a man mighty in words and deeds. You know what that means? That in the education system in Egypt, when the Bible says hey, he was mighty in word and in deed, that when they perhaps had their courtroom debates, perhaps when they uh, talked to each other, uh, people would say, man, you want to get some wisdom? You, you go talk to Moses. You want to know how to deal with the situation? You don't want to know how to build some massive architecture? You need to talk to Moses. He's a leader. He's got wisdom. He knows what he's talking about. He is well educated. And so the reputation that he had was he is a man mighty of word and deed. That's not among the Hebrews. It's among the Egyptians. The first encounter he has that we know with the Hebrews is they rejected him. They said, who made thee a ruler over us? Well, that's not how he, what he had in Egypt. What he had in Egypt was accolades, was honor. People looked at Moses and they thought to themselves, here is the, the next leader of Egypt. That's how Moses was. So when he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was refusing honor in Egypt. He was refusing wealth, he was refusing honor, but also he, he was refusing power or even the throne. Now, the historian Josephus tells us that the Pharaoh had no other children, and that his daughter, Termidus, uh, Moses' adopted mother, had no children of her own. So most probably Moses was perhaps could have succeeded to the throne. Now, whether he was the next in line to the throne or not, his position as the son of Pharaoh's daughter would automatically give him a high position in the Egyptian government. And so he may not have uh, the, uh, the, 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 the great throne in Egypt, but he would, have, he would have had some throne in Egypt. Some authority, uh, some honor, and some measure of power in Egypt. And so when he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was refusing wealth, honor, and power in a throne. Understand, there had to be a time in the life of Moses when his mother came to him and said, Now Moses, it's time for you now to... When the Bible says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, it, it, the, the idea here is that some, he was about to take the next step, whether it would be to be, have some type of rule, to have some type of power, to be given some type of honor. It could even be, the Bible doesn't tell us, to be the next king. And the Bible says he refused. He made a decision to refuse all that. To refuse what? To refuse association with Egypt. He didn't want to be part of it. And it didn't matter how much wealth was promised. It didn't matter how much honor would come. It didn't matter how much power or to what throne he would ascend. He refused. That is quite remarkable. What happened here between verse 10 and verse 11? He refused the, uh, the association with the Egypt, but also we see that he, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And so here, he chose the affliction with the people of God. Wow, that decision goes even further. It is not that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, it is that he chose with that Affliction. He made a choice uh, to be in affliction. You see, affliction in the life of Moses 
was not something that uh, was uh, that happened by a happenstance. It was his choice. You mean affliction was his choice? That's what the Bible tells us. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, notice interesting the comparison here. He doesn't say that he went back to slavery. The choice was affliction with God's people or the pleasures of sin. So when we see here that he chose affliction, he chose affliction over what? Sin. Indulging in the flesh. Uh, no doubt Moses, to be in the position where he was, could have anything he asked for. Servants as, at his disposal, probably as many wives as he wanted to. Uh, he, he could probably ask anything and it would be given to him. And yet, he didn't want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. The Bible talks about a reproach. You see, this is a remarkable choice. And this was the choice not of a child, uh, but of a full-grown man, a 40-year-old man. And by the way, not a fool, uh, but one who was skilled in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. That's the man that made that decision. In other words, what I'm saying here is that it makes no logical sense to the human mind to make that decision. But you remember that decision was a decision made by what? By faith. That's a spiritual decision. You know, we must always count our spiritual decisions of much greater weight than the decision that are non-spiritual. He chose the affliction with the people of God. We also see in verse in Hebrews eleven twenty six, the Bible says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And so he esteemed the reproach of Christ Greater riches. Now think about that. Now, the idea here of he esteemed the reproach of Christ, you know what that tells us? So he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God, and then he esteemed that reproach. Greater riches. Now, reproach, we might not think of reproach as being riches. The reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. The Bible says he, he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You see, this tells us that Moses did not complain about his choice. He esteemed or he deemed this reproach of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. You see, it's not a promotion. It's, it's a reproach. But the reproach has more value than the riches. You see, he not only endured suffering, but he esteemed it, that suffering, that affliction, that reproach, he esteemed it as uh, more worth than the wealth of the, uh, the, 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 the greatness and the riches, the richest country on earth at that time. That's the choice that he made. That was an important decision. You see, as we find Moses here in, in Exodus chapter 2, before he, he goes out and kills this Egyptian, understand here the decision that he has already made in his heart. By faith, he's made a, a number of decisions. He has refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He has chosen to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season because he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. And he did all that by faith before he ever goes out and spies out an Egyptian and kills him. So we would say here that this is an important decision. By the way, uh, that is a decision that we also have to make. We have to make that same decision by faith. We have to refuse to associate with the world. First John tells us, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, we can get comfortable in this world and love the world and love the world system and be comfortable in the world and forget that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. And so we have to refuse a... Let me put it a permanent association with the world. Egypt is a picture of the world. Are we chasing wealth? Are we chasing honor? 
Are we chasing power? What is it that we're looking for in this world? He, he chose the affliction with the people of God. And notice that that was a choice. He thought to himself, I had rather have a reproach placed upon me than to live my life as I please. I, I'll take the mockery. Can you imagine the Egyptians in the courtroom when Moses made that choice? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and he wanted to associate not with the Egyptians but with the slaves. The people in the Egyptian thought, you're mad. You lost your marbles. You know, that's often what people say about Christians, don't they? You've lost your mind. Go to church, read your Bible, sing. I mean, don't you have better things to do? He chose the affliction with the people of God. Why? Because he esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater riches. You see, our reproach in Christ, how demeaning it might seem to us, is of far greater value than the greatest treasures in the world. And so that's, what the, that's the choice that Moses made. So we see here his important decision, but then we move on now. We come to our text in Exodus chapter 2, and again, this is we haven't made it up. We looked at Hebrews 11 and Acts chapter 7, come to those conclusions. Now we get to verse 11 of Exodus chapter 2, and we see his attempt at deliverance. So, so far we see, okay, uh, 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 Moses is a man mighty in word and deed. Uh, he is learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And so, uh, by the way, he was recognized because of that. He no doubt had a, uh, was given a place of prominence and honor. Uh, and he, he stood out among the Egyptians. And then they're, they're baffled at the choice. And so now he has made that choice. And uh, the, uh, the Bible indicates to us that it seems that Moses knows that he is to be the deliverer. And now he goes about Egypt. And he is really, what, what we read here, he's going to attempt deliverance. That's what he's going to do. He's going to try to do it in his own strength. So the Bible says in verse 11, It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. So notice here, the choice has already been made. Right? One of his brethren. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now remember, when he goes to Midian, what are they going to call him? An Egyptian. But he was not an Egyptian. And so he's already made that decision. He'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. By the way, when he smote the Egyptian, the Bible says he was mighty in word and deed. I believe he was a trained military, trained in the military. He knew how to kill people. And so here he killed a man. In other words, he, Moses, I believe he really thought that he could do this on his own. He really thought because of all that he was and all that he had grown up to be as a 40-year-old man, he thought to himself, well, I can deliver God's people. And the Bible says, verse 12, And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, I want you to notice uh, several things about his attempt at deliverance. First of all, we see that his attempt at deliverance was born out of revenge. Now, this is, by the way, the wonderful thing about the Bible. It's different than any, uh, any um, I guess, uh, biographies that you have out there. The Bible tells us all the truth. It doesn't hide any details. And so it could have just said, right, the Bible, hey, let's just skip those bad parts about the life of Moses. Let's just say, well, you know, he left Egypt. Let's forget about that. It's not going to be brought up again. So let's just forget about that. The Bible doesn't forget about it. The Bible lets us know here, gives us an insight here that, uh, his attempt at deliverance was born out of revenge. He saw an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, and he took it upon himself to exercise revenge upon uh, his brethren, and he killed the man. By the way, it was wrong. Why? Because his attempt at deliverance was born out of revenge. We keep reading, and, and by the way, how do we know that Moses did wrong. Well, this, this is the classic guilty look. He looked that way and that way. I'm not supposed to do this, but... Children, you know when you're doing wrong? You want me to tell you how you know you're doing wrong? When you look around, you make sure nobody's watching. That's when you know you're doing wrong. Parents, you know when you're doing wrong? When you look around... 
to find out if nobody's watching. You see, Moses, although I think that he's made spiritual decisions in his life, he is not incapable of sinning. Now, this is a good reminder for all of us. We might think just because we love the Lord and we go to church and we, and we want uh, to do the right thing in this life that we might think that we are incapable of sinning, but that's just simply not the truth. And here Moses, he clearly does something wrong. He looks this way, he looks that way. And by the way, another indication that he did the wrong thing is that he buried the man in the sand. He's trying to hide his sin. He's trying to make sure that nobody sees that he's doing the wrong thing. And then he's trying to conceal his sin just like David did. The human nature is always the same. And so, verse 13, and when he went out the second day. So, do you see Moses now? The second day he's, he's got his, his chin up, shoulders back, walking around, seeing what else he can do to deliver his brethren He's thinking to himself, I got this. If I just knock them out one by one, I can do this. But now he doesn't see an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew. He's, the Bible says, he went out the second day. Behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. So we see here that his attempt at deliverance was met with a rebuke. Right? Uh, Moses is going to go on to say, uh, notice he, he says, why, why are you fighting against another? And he, the Bible says he attempted to reconcile them and they didn't want that. They said, who, who made you a ruler and a judge? Who made you the arbiter of our relationships? You're not a prince. You're not a judge over us. Are you going to kill us like you did that guy? Well, can you imagine at that moment he thought, well, I thought I got away with it. Remember, he looked that way and that way. He thought nobody saw. He, he buried the Egyptian in the sand. He thought nobody knew, and yet they knew. And so notice here, you see Moses trying to get, do this on his own. He's attempting to deliver, and it's born out of revenge. He's attempting to deliver, and it's met with a rebuke by the own people that he's trying to deliver. Everything is going wrong for Moses. And by the way, everything always goes wrong in the energy of the flesh. You're trying to do some good thing in the energy of the flesh and it turns out to be chaos and you ruin everything. But we also see that his attempt at deliverance was destined to a reprisal. Notice verse 15, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. Now I believe that Pharaoh now had an occasion to kill Moses. I think that they were upset when he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was a slap in the face, if you would. They had taken in this Hebrew child who was to die. They had to take him in the palace. They had trained him in the ways of the Egyptians. He, was, he grew up in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was a man mighty in word and deed. And Moses says, no, I don't want to associate with the Egyptians. I want to uh, rather be an affliction with God's people. And so now I think Pharaoh has an occasion why well, he killed a man. Well, our law says that he should be killed. And so uh, Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. So we see here that his, we see his, his, his decision. That, that was a good decision. That was an important decision. But his attempt at deliverance was a complete failure. But then we see, as we continue in our text, we see what I would refer to as his needed departure. The Bible says at the end of verse 15 that he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian, so Midian, if you um, look at a map, okay, so you have uh, Egypt on this, on this side, you have the Nile River coming down, and then you have the Red Sea coming up, and the Red Sea kind of forks into a V, right? And so Egypt is on the west, and so if you go northward, you can come down over the Red Sea and where it forks like a V, that is where in the center of that is the, um, I guess, the wilderness or some, sometimes people call it the Sinai Peninsula. And then on the other side of the other fork, so the V, uh, Red Sea, Red Sea, these are two different gulfs, on the other side is Midian. And so if you look at a map where Moab was at the bottom of Israel, Midian would be straight south of that. 
And so he's pretty far from Egypt. He's gone all the way uh, to Midian. And so, uh, and by the way, when we think about uh, the, um, the Midianites, the, they were descendants of Abraham as well. Uh, you remember when uh, Sarah died, Abraham married Keturah. And in Genesis 25, verse 1, when he took Keturah, uh, she bare him Zimram, Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian. And so these are the descendants of Abraham through Keturah. Uh, and so he goes to, to Midian. Obviously, he flees. Verse 16, uh, the, the Bible says the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they uh, came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherd came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and water their flock. And when they came to Ruel, their father, they said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and also drew water enough for us, and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Uh, basically it says, That's not really polite of you to leave him by the well by himself. Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses a poor his daughter, and she bare him a son. And he called his name Gershom. And he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And so we, we see um, three things here, even with the remainder of the chapter. But notice we see, first of all, the providence of God. So Moses, he, he has to flee. No home. Where are, where are his people? They're in Egypt. They're in bondage. Can't go there because Pharaoh is requiring his life. And so he flees. He he, he doesn't know really, really where he's going. He's just trying to preserve his life. And up to this point, understand that he, he, he has known that he is to be a deliverer in Egypt. And yet at this point, he, he's fleeing now. He is going the opposite direction of what has been put in his heart to do. And yet here, it seems that all is gone. But yet we see the hand of God. How do we see the hand of God? Well, we see the hand of God in three ways. First of all, he was a help to the seven daughters who were being threatened by those other shepherds. And so he helped. And by the way, that tells us how mighty Moses was. Okay? There were seven daughters, one man, and he alone drove the shepherds, plural. And what I'm saying to us is Moses was no joke. He was a warrior. He drove those men away. And no doubt here, this was the providence of God. And so he was a help. And then also, it was there that he found a wife, Zipporah. But it's also here that he became a shepherd. Now, now think about the contrast here, because we get to chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the des de desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And so we see here that um, a man mighty in word and deed, known, uh, grown up in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and now he is a shepherd on the backside of the desert. That is not what you would think of as a success for the life of Moses. But yet it was all in the providence of God. You see, while he was in Egypt, thinking that he can do this on his own, you know where God wanted him? In the desert. Why? Because in His providence, God would use the desert to help Moses make the man that he would become. Because God didn't want the 40-year-old Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He wanted the 80-year-old Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. Now what's the difference between the 40-year-old Moses and the 80-year-old Moses? Well, the 40-year-old Moses is mighty. He is strong, he is powerful, much wisdom, a warrior, ready to fight. By the time you read about him in the next chapter, he says, I can't speak, I'm afraid, I can't deliver the people out. And so, what happened in the process of time? Moses had to learn that he should not depend on himself, but that he should learn to depend on the Lord. And so this is a needed departure, isn't it? You know, any time that God leads us in the place where we learn that we need Him and we can't do things on our own, that's a good place to be. 
And if it takes the process of time, that's a good thing. Uh, so we see here the providence of God, but we also see the contentment of Moses. Notice verse 21. And the Bible says, And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. Uh, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Now, the reason why this is important here, Moses, remember, when he was 40, he says, I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to kill the Egyptians. I'm going to bury them. And I'm going to lead the people out of Egyptian bondage. And by the way, some people say, well, look, why did Moses have to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Could he not? ascend to the throne and make and, and maybe uh, you know uh, get rid of the uh, of, of the bondage well that's possible but the problem is he wouldn't not have let them out see if he had made things comfortable for them again they would have never wanted to leave Egypt that was not God's way but the Bible tells us that Moses was content to dwell with the man so at year uh, when he was 40 I'm going to deliver. I'm going to be a warrior. I'm going to be a leader. And now he is in the backside of the desert, in the land of Midian, as a shepherd, has a wife, has two sons. We read of one here. You'll have another son. And the Bible says that he was content. What does that tell us? He didn't want to go back to Egypt. He was fine where he was. You see, when he was 40, he was all stirred up. And now he is going to get older. And he's not stirred up anymore. He's kind of content to dwell there. He's satisfied. Look, I got my wife, got my children, I got a stable job. I don't need to do it. I'm comfortable here. I, I, I am comfortable here. And this contentment tells us something because then the very next verse, so this is uh, verse 21, 22, Moses was content to dwell with a man and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter and she bare him a son and he called his name Gershom for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Now notice here, remember? Born a Hebrew, raised an Egyptian, that was his people. But God took him in this needed departure to be a stranger in a strange land and there as a stranger in a strange land he found contentment and the bible says verse 23 and it came to pass in the process of time you see this now we is is moses going to going to bring the people out is he going to lead the people out out of egypt in chapter 12 and 13 yes he is god's not done with with moses but you know what God wanted to take Moses through? He wanted, take, he wanted to take Moses through the process of time. Moses, I'm going to take you through, through a journey. And by the way, Moses got to the place where he was content to be where God put him. Content. And the Bible says, the king of Egypt died, verse 23, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, and with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. You know what, do we want to know what is the difference between the two attempts at deliverance? Right? 40 years of age? 80 years of age? What's the difference between the two attempts? Notice, When he was 40 years of age, Moses himself saw something and it stirred him up. He acted in the flesh. He did something in his own power. God said, Moses, that's not how we do it here. You need to go far away, learn to be content. And then the Bible ends us, because interesting, we see in verse 11, Moses is all stirred up. But notice at the end of the chapter, the Bible says God is stirred up. God sees. You see, God sees the same thing that Moses saw, but God is better equipped to deal with deliverance than Moses is. And so now God is stirred up, 
And God is about to go to Moses and says, I want you to deliver them out. You see, the first attempt was self-motivated. The second one was God-motivated. You see, if Moses had gone on in the first attempt, God had not intervened, he would have made a mess of things and the children of Israel would not have been delivered. Self-generated stirring. But the second time, it is the stirring of God. Where God is going to take Moses in, the, in Exodus chapter 3 and says, Remember who I am, Moses? Who made man's mouth? Who has created you? Uh, and, and God said in chapter 3, he will, he, will, he will say, I will deliver. See, that's the difference between the 40-year-old Moses and the 80-year-old Moses. In the 40-year-old Moses, Moses said, I will deliver. When the 80-year-old Moses comes along, God says, I will deliver. And Moses, when he is 80, he says, I, I can't do this, Lord. And God reminds him, just remember, Moses, I'm going to do this. Moses, you're gonna get, you, you get to be part of what I'm doing. But that's what I'm going to do. You see, it's important for us, here's what we learn as we think about, what do we learn in the process of time? What we learn in the process of time is, to get to the place where we are content where God puts us. We wait on God. God in His providence. We obey Him. We live for Him. And then the process of time, you know, if we try to self-generate things in our life and self-generate our direction, our decision, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, and we are not led of God, we're going to make a big mistake. But as Moses is content... God is going to say, Moses, Moses. And Moses is going to say, here am I. You see, it's much better that way than the other way around. You see, when we're thinking about serving God, it should not be a self-stirring in us. I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this. And I'm going to do this. Allow God to stir your heart. But first, you have to get to the place where you're content where you are. And you know God then will intervene. And by the way, that's exactly what we saw in Acts chapter 13, is it not? Paul and Barnabas serving in the church in Acts, preaching, teaching, and then the Spirit of God as they're content to be in Antioch says, I'm going to separate you for the work whereunto I've called you. It's exactly the same thing. And so, what do we learn here? We learn, we learn that God had to take Moses through the process of time. You know, we want things now. We pray for something, we want God to answer it now, today, yesterday. But often God delays in answering our prayers, not because He's an unjust God, not because He wants us to wait, but because He often wants to take us through the process of time, to deal with us, to work in our hearts, so that we might be dependent on Him. And so, may the Lord help us to think about how this applies to our lives in the process of time.